important questions first. What was your favorite commercial? I have one hands down. Uh, what do you say, Joe? The NFL one. No. Oh. Wow. I mean, honestly, now, now I'm more shocked. That one was awesome. Don't get me wrong. I thought that was great. I mean, well, which was... was that? Which one was that? The NFL 100th anniversary one that had oh, yeah. Dion and Barry Sanders. They got it. Every, it was Franco phenomenal. Harris with the Immaculate, immaculate Reception. Uh, that was I mean, so good. Terry Bradshaw with oh, yeah. Donald coming out. I mean, that was really, really well done. And Dominican Sue. Yeah. Oh, man, that was really good. That, that was a great football commercial. But just as far as like your typical Super Bowl commercials where they're just going to go with something. My favorite was early on, first quarter, the Hyundai commercial where they all get oh, in the elevator. That's and they mine. Go, that's mine. Oh, that's pretty good. They go down all the different floors. I thought that was super clever. Really well done. Really, really well done. Um, well, what was the what was the the robot Joey that you loved? Oh no, I did not like that. The robot, the little boy bot, boy, the child robot. Nope, did not like that. That was child bot. Nope, did not did not enjoy that. But um, I agree with I agree with Robbo that the. Uh, that that was really good with the um the elevator one with Jason Bateman. And um I yeah, like I didn't I didn't care for the whole like eat like Andy thing. I thought that was kind of weird. Um I was pretty cool with the um with the Game of Thrones one, like but like whatever, that's fine. I don't really I don't care. Look at you. Look at um, you, you capitalist pig. Right? I don't know. I like dragon. He's been a dragon commercial. I'm not gonna be mad at you. Um I know people try to say the Pepsi commercial was was you know, good, I guess, but I don't know. Pepsi is never okay. How about the Stella Artois with the uh, yeah. with uh, the dude? Uh, what about Chance I'm, the I'm Rapper? No love for Chance the Rapper with the Backstreet Boys. I did, yeah, that was fine. Yeah, that was good. That was fine. Oh, that was good. Um, the, Nickelodeon X Ultra with the uh, uh, the robots. The bulb, yeah, robots. People like that. Um, I also shout out to the Devour porn commercial we made real porn jokes during the super bowl that's like a that's like a cultural step forward that i feel like you know that was a that was a mature attempt to use porn in a comedic way that that was serious about it i I was proud of ourselves for doing that did you guys think that the um the boycott that some people were talking about with the super bowl like you know not participating it because of the colin kaepernick situation like i know that there's been a lot of uh you know, um, Afro- African American people that are, you know that are very influential were kind of saying that they were gonna um, not not watch the game. They wish they could, but they just felt like there's there's too many things that the NFL did wrong that made them feel like, hey, I can't watch this game because what they did to call Colin Kaepernick. Do Do you feel like that was so fringe that you didn't even see that that much on social media, or like don't know anybody in your life that were like, yeah, I'm not gonna watch the game either. I think that's more from the business side of things in terms of scheduling talent and organizing the kinds of things that you see throughout the week or the two weeks leading up to it. I also, I don't, I don't know that it matters because, you know, in terms of the idea of like a Cardi B or Andre 3000, not, not playing the halftime concert. Does it really matter when you're talking about the the length of a season culminating in the Super Bowl? I, I, as, as great as the Super Bowl is, the NFL season is a multi-month-long event. That while this is our climax, the foreplay matters too. The foreplay always matters, Joe. I did, I, I don't want you to <laughs> go walk around thinking <laughs> that. Uh, Not always. Come on, always. It's, it's his wife is already sleeping out of the room. I got memento tattoos all over my body when I take my shirt off. It just says foreplay matters instead of California. Ooh, I, saw that, I saw that tattoo on Adam <laughs> Levine tonight. He had that foreplay matters right across his chest. Fuck. That was the was that the worst halftime show ever? Because I'm thinking it's right up there in the biggest pile of crap. But here's my here's my thing. Was it the worst or was it just the most NFL? That was that was just the most NFL halftime. They took they took what they thought and would be acceptable. And merged it with what was popular with Travis Scott and Sicko Mode, and something that was culturally relevant to having the Super Bowl in Atlanta, and put them all together and expected people to want it. I think that if you compare it to something like Coldplay or The Who, or I think Paul McCartney Ooh. played one time. Some of, it's some like, of yeah. Goodell's favorites. You, that's a that's a Roger Goodell Super Bowl playlist. 
Exactly. And and that's <laughs> Coldplay was better. I'm going to tell you right now. Coldplay was better. I than think that, that they were and honestly, I think most good. of them have been garbage except for Prince. I think killed it. To me, Bruno that was, Mars, I thought was great. Yeah. Bruno Mars, Bruno Mars played b- bigger than, you know, maybe he did the, the, yeah, they usually play. So, was, so that was fun Michael to see Gucci, Michael, Bruno, Michael Jackson back in the day. That was pretty awesome. But you know what? Like, there's there's an article talking about how Big Bad Voodoo Daddy played in 1999, just showing that <laughs> it hasn't always been this this thing where it has to be the biggest band in the world because you're going to run out of biggest bands in the world if you keep doing this. You know, like pretty soon, I mean, who are we going to have play? You know, we can't have 21 pi- pilots playing in a couple years. Imagine Dragons next year. Book it. I think yeah, I think Moon Five did an interesting thing where they went with the uh three singles from their first album right away so they were basically saying hey anybody who kind of hasn't been paying attention to us about 10 15 years here are the hits that put us on the map and then then they kind of did the segue to the other acts and then kind of came back with one of their shitty songs and then ended with another shitty song but you know i mean i think they're popular and you're right it's it's a it's a roger goodell special there's never going to be an interesting choice for the halftime show, sometimes they'll they'll get a surprise like Bruno Mars was really good, or or you you just get a legend and they're they're great. Like you know, I like Bruce Springsteen, so I enjoyed that one, but I I, I didn't think it was anything crazy. It wasn't like you know he was playing on the moon or something, and that's what kind of what people expect now. The worse that show was going, the more clothes he took off. He's like, ah, oh, this shit's not going. I should take up another shirt because people will like the chicks will like that, and maybe half the audience won't be completely bored out of their skull. It was. It was just. I thought it was just. I think you're right. It's NFL. Set. It was. It was for every, every non-football fan in the building and watching. Like, hey, let's just go generic, generify. Let's get my 60-year-old dads who've heard uh, heard a couple top 40 hits, and let's just roll it out there. Not but that's good. that's what the NFL yeah. is. It's it's oh, 60-year-old yeah, dads organize what is appropriate for family. Like, what what will we allow? We can't have wardrobe malfunctions oh adam levine's nipples those are okay we can take some we can take some <laughs> the voice nips but that's as far as we go um i will all, we got to do this we talked about nebraska pizza last time what kind of pizza does roger goodell like what what is like uh what pizza does he get that he's like oh no if they learn about this this is gonna be a pr nightmare what is this peppered oni oh man i gotta think i'm doing immigrant meats let's just, you know what just give me a cheese pizza and put a slice of bread on top thank you yeah i'm thinking he's a cheese pizza aficionado i'll do uh everybody likes sean mcveigh what is he in water chicken i'll do one water chicken pizza thank you it'd be kind of funny if roger goodell was just a freak like he just ate a pizza with just crazy jalapenos and anchovies and just <laughs> You know, like Alfredo sauce, you know, just like dragon roll sushi (laughs) on top of it. I'll do the spider roll pizza, just a fried soft shell Mm -hmm. crab, wasabi mayo. Don't tell anybody that that's that's probably the bigger thing is that it's just the don't tell anybody. Um, This is not a happy podcast. Who's drinking? Oh. Who else has got a beverage in front right uh, now of that course. contains alcohol? Well, when hopefully am, when people are listening yeah. to this during the commute to work, I hope you're all the answer is nobody. Because um, <laughs> right now, there's some Bailey's in their morning been, coffee. I've, I've been pouring a, I poured a few a couple tonight, so I'm, I'm ready. The Greg go. Williams among us. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, one, one word, one word to describe your emotional state right now. I'm just bummed. Bummed. I'm I'll bummed. Take bummed. I'm not just. Dis- yeah. I'm not distraught. I'm not suicidal. I'm not pissed. I, it, it just bummed. bummed. Joey, what's your word of the day? I guess just tired. Tired. I think. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think because the the way the game was, um, you're you're trying so hard to be optimistic and to, and to find ways things could turn around and and then you just get to that point in the game where you realize like they're not going to win this and everybody probably had a different point of the game where they realized that but still you have to watch the rest of the game knowing that like 
this isn't going to happen. And maybe you, you, you held out to the very, very end when you missed that field goal. Yeah. But, you know, it just was kind of an exhausting game True. because it was not exciting. Well, it was just <laughs> I, I'd, I'd push back bludgeoning. Well. 99% of people would agree that it's not exciting, so I don't want to necessarily push for the the 1% of us that find defense exciting and coaching chess magic. I'll say this. Here's here's my one word that explains my feelings right now. It's spelled V-R-U-M-P-F-T. I just feel very vrumpft. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to leave us with an off-season of what could have been. If you get your ass kicked and blown out in a Super Bowl or, or a playoff game or whatever, and like, there's a, there's some finality in just getting thrashed. I mean, are the Cowboys fans right now just, you know, we were one play away from from getting that shit done? No, you you pretty much got handled by the Rams. Saints fans have the same feeling we have, other than right now they're they're feeling vindicated. But after the game, they just, you know, we, we got that shit stolen from us. Whatever. We don't. I don't feel like this Super Bowl was stolen from us. I just feel like the better team won. The better coach won. Bill Belichick. As much as I dislike that guy, uh, he's fucking great. And what he did was take the two probably worst games Rams played, the Chicago Bears and Philadelphia Eagles, saw that they pressured Goff up the middle. And when you did that, you disrupted their timing, and he had two weeks to perfect it. And uh, that was a Bill Belichick special. He pretty much... As much as I hate it, I have to give the guy props because he's fucking great. There's a reason why oh, he's gross. They, they should rename the trophy the the Belichick and not the Lombardi. I'm sorry because he is he is that fucking good. My five my five takeaways from the game that was number five was just that the Pats and it's it's Tom Brady too. Now I will say this: Tom Brady was not very good tonight, and I think the Rams deserve credit. And we'll get to that. And the Rams deserve some credit, but. It's just the Patriots, whoa, man. Whoa, whoa, they, yeah. they, this was a game that nobody expected. Nobody expected this game to be three to nothing at the half. Nobody expected this few points. No. The over-under was 56 or whatever. No. Nobody expected this kind of game. And so part of what happens is when you're playing a game that people aren't ready for, who's the most capable of playing different kinds of football who which out of these two teams was best suited to play this kind of football game i think we got the answer uh uncomfortably but part of the reason why is just because they got bill belichick man and he's just that good he's it doesn't matter who he has he has tom brady and himself and that's it it doesn't matter who else is on that roster who else is coaching with him how many coaches has that man lost over the years? And he's like, yeah, I'll just bring this guy up or whatever. And you know, Matt, he was just as his defensive coordinator, and now he has a linebacker's coach running his defense, who so he's going to lose him again this year. Yeah, that's, and his defense was probably the best I've seen. How many coaches he's years. made? I won't, I, won't, I won't say that you know Brian Flores doesn't deserve credit for being the defensive co- coordinator for this team or, and, and, and being able to get there them to this point and having been the linebackers coach and the safeties coach and the defensive assistant for this team going back to I think 2011 and being part of this organization all the way back through 2004 Brian Flores deserves credit he's going to become the uh, head coach of the Miami Dolphins but there's no way that Brian Flores doesn't go to Miami with people saying Welp, he's bringing Bill Belichick with him. The same way that people are looking all across these hires and saying, oh, Sean McVay is the hot new shit. We need to get somebody that can take his genius and bring it to our team. There are still teams doing that for Bill Belichick, despite the fact he's been there forever, and that's just because he's the GOAT. And, I mean, and the Dolphins are bringing this guy in, in the same division. How... How many how many games how many games is is he gonna are the Dolphins gonna win against uh, the Patriots when Belichick's still there? One, <laughs> two, maybe I don't know. Before he's fired, like the rest of his coaches, and if Shelby is starting to grow his coaching tree, right? We've had a couple of guys he's familiar with get you know, or no get picked up this year, and we developed the coaching tree for Sean McVay. Belichick's got like a a coaching forest, which includes front office personnel. That guy has made. So many careers. Uh, I don't like him. Uh, he's an arrogant bastard. He's pompous. He's just, he's everything you you don't like. But he, he tipped your cap to him because he's fucking great. He is great. I can't take, I can't take anything away from, from 
from that man after watching what they just did to the Rams. I mean, we even sc- we scored nine against the Bears, and that was what we thought was the worst performance of the, of the year, right? And that's the thing to bring it back to our side, and I don't want to keep Joey out of the discussion, but number four for my takeaways, Robbo, we got to go to you first, that this was a game that more than any other since we lost him, this was the game where we really needed Cooper Cup, man. Uh, cue the cueless, uh, the careless whispers. No, we can't. Right now. No, we can't do careless. This one has to be sadder. This has to be a sad. <laughs> I'm never gonna dance again. I'm never gonna dance again because Cooper Cup is is on the sideline and there's a void over the middle of that defense. What what really kind of annoyed me was the Patriots linebackers are really good against the run, but they've been taken advantage of all year in the past in game and they just mm. didn't have they didn't even look at that matchup. And Cooper Cup exploited linebackers. I mean remember his his biggest touchdown of the year, maybe his second biggest in the Minnesota game? He completely torched those linebackers. Uh, he's and he's the guy who who Goff looks to when he's under duress. And there was no game more where he was under duress than tonight. I mean, the Bears were some, but I mean, he just he was rattled and he had, didn't have his outlet. And with Cooper Cup there, I think it's a different story. It's I mean, it I I know it's a different story. They might not have won the game, but it, they wouldn't have been as anemic as they were. They would have. I'm not saying Cooper Cup is all world, but he's pretty damn good at what he does. Um, it just it just wasn't there. So yeah, Cooper Cup would have made a difference. I don't know if they would have won the game, but I still I think it would have been a, a bit different story. I, I just can't help thinking that that wouldn't have been a different story that with Cooper Cup in the lineup, especially on third down because we started uh, Jared Goff started yeah. 0 of seven on the third down. Where, where that that might be more than anything Cooper Cup's most valuable situation. So when we get into manageable third down situations, we have to pass. Cooper Cup so present, maybe though. Well, when we talked about it, right, because he pushes he pushes Robert Woods outside, right. and Robert Woods is doing things he's a little more comfortable right. doing. And you don't have to challenge freaking Gilmore all game with Cooks. I mean, Cooks still had a pretty good game, but I don't know that you want to make your living going after their best corner. Like the guy is an all pro. Right. I don't know that that's the way you you should design it. Who had the biggest pick of the game? Yeah, Mr. Gilmore. If Cup is there, maybe Woods is out. And he's getting different looks. Uh, nothing against Josh Reynolds. I think he he filled them fine, but it just. They completely changed their offense and their roles, and props to the guys for being adaptable and being able to do that stuff. But if Cup is there, everyone else is playing their role, and and I think you're able to exploit some of those under these matchups even more. I just I just do. If, if Cup's that valuable to the passing game, the most and probably the most valuable component of the offense overall is Todd Gurley, and we just didn't have him tonight. We had, we had a portion of him, but we didn't have all of them. Joey, we had Meatball. He had seven carries for 22 yards. He gave us, he gave us his best effort. Um, but on, on a night where the offensive line wasn't doing a ton to open things up, this was, this was the night when we needed more than meatball. We needed Todd Gurley. And that was my number three takeaway was that without a healthy Todd Gurley, oftentimes, it's, and especially without the offensive line, without a healthy Todd Gurley, this, this offense just ha- doesn't have a lot that they can get done independent of a defense. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty crazy that we didn't know what was going to happen with Gurley. And we feel like we still don't have an answer. You know, the game's been played, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be a couple of days till we really know what went down with Gurley's knee. And it's weird, man. I mean, I, I felt like the offense just wasn't wasn't the same. It, it felt like they had they had a nice run in their in their game against the the Dallas Cowboys but man if you really just look at them from the Monday night football game with the Kansas City Chiefs after that they just felt like a different team and i know that injury came before with Gurley so there's just a lot of a lot of questions about what was really kind of going on with um the offense and the scheme and and and, and who they were who they were going to trust because it felt like they were throwing the ball a lot at Josh Reynolds and he had a lot of opportunities and he actually stepped up a couple times and made some big catches. I just, it felt like to me, their, their biggest plan was just throw the ball to Brandon Cooks. And it felt like 
there they, that that was there wasn't really even a plan B. It was just let's just go to Cooks and then hopefully at that point we can then open up the the running game, which barely kind of happened. But I don't know. I still feel like the game was a little bit closer than it played out just because of some drops and some things didn't go our way with some of the catches that we could have maybe had a touchdown. But you know what? It's also, it was just a sloppy, a sloppy day for the offense. Very sloppy. Let me, let me ask you as this, which, which one hurt more the Brandon cooks drop or Jared Goff waiting too long to find Brandon cooks when he was wide open. Are we calling, I say, which one are we call the Brandon cooks drop the, the, the ball in the end zone that, that Goff missed him on. Uh, Cause that's the one that stands out in my head. Uh, he was running the field, waving his fucking hands, standing up. I mean, he stood on the end zone, waiting for that ball to come down. It just, uh, it goes, it goes. I mean, that almost gets back to the O line as well, just not giving him the time to throw that he he needed to get that ball off. Now, would other quarterbacks have let that thing go earlier? Maybe, but what he needed was a little more time, and it just didn't happen. And that, well, I think that was the biggest play to me was that there are two. Actually, there, there's that play, and then there's two penalty calls. I'm not going to complain about the, the ref, referees. We did not lose because the referees or whatever, but I thought two penalties really set this team back. But that that Brandon Cooks playing the end zone, right, when it happened, I thought, well, this shit's going to come back to haunt us. I, I really don't want to be lamenting the fact that Goff didn't get that ball to him when he was wide open. Uh, but, you know, the NRC penalty um, – Early on in the game, when they could have backed him up, it that was kind of weird. Something. What, what, I, 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 get, I get what they were saying, that he was a defenseless receiver. That hit happens a hundred times. Every game. Yeah. I, I, and, then, and then the Sullivan that drive, was worse. later after that the, the third quarter, right? They're driving. That took points off the board. I, they were going to get a field goal in the drive at the very least, and that backed him up. And then they took this. It just Those are the two big plays that really. Those are the two plays that really stand out to me more so than the Cooks Goff missed drop. Um, I thought those really stymied. They were two momentum changers. You know, the, the Rams could have got off the field, you know, early on, and then they could have put points on the board later. And I think those really hurt them. And then you know, you combine it with th- the, I guess three big plays in my mind. But those are those are the ones that really stand out in my mind. It was like, wow. And now am I going? I'm not complaining about the refs. So anyone, any Saints fans listening, I'm not complaining about the refs. We didn't lose because of the referees. I just thought those were some big momentum shifts that if they'd gone differently, we might be talking about a different outcome. Maybe, maybe not, but they were certainly big. Now, it's they weren't, weren't as big as last week, so relax. I'm not going there. I'm just saying that I thought there were some pretty big calls that went against us that, yeah, they were kind of iffy, whatever. But the Cooks one was, was pretty damn obvious. Yeah. That, that was a bummer. I felt like... Um, now I've <laughs> I felt Robo hit it on the head. Was, you got rumped. you got rumped. 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 What did you guys? What do you guys think about that defense? It felt felt pretty good. I thought Dante Fowler Jr. That was, was number one. Good. That was my number one narrative. The defense was fantastic, and and for a defense that throughout the season offered some inconsistent games and. At one point, the piece I linked to from SB Nation said that the defense was the reason that the Rams weren't going to make the Super Bowl. They were great in the postseason. They dealt with the Cowboys and their front and Ezekiel Elliott and completely shut them down. They dealt with the Saints. The Saints, who had one of the best offenses along with us and completely shut them down, including against the run with Alvin Kamar and Mark Ingram. And then tonight, they, they shut down the Patriots in the Super Bowl to the point that they had three points at halftime and only scored one touchdown late. The, the Patriots scored 13 points in the Super Bowl. That's a phenomenal job by the defense. Yep. That was, if you remember back April when these moves were going down, you know, they uh, they trade for Peters, they trade for Tlaib, they signed Sue. Uh, what was the narrative of the media then? Oh, you know, they're trying to be the Eagles of 2011. That's just, not, it's not going to work. Too many personalities, blah, 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 blah. And then as the season went on, it was like, you know, they can't stop the run, and then Tlaib is hurt, and they're giving up yards, and this defense isn't good. That defense we just watched the last three weeks play was top five in the NFL, maybe better. They were phenomenal. There is there is not one thing you point to and go, wow, that they need to shore that up. They were fantastic. 
nothing that they did, you're going to go, ah, I don't know. They were great. Across the board, they did what they were brought in to do. They held up their end of the bargain. The offense, which is the hallmark of this team, they did not. They they have to they have to look at those guys in the eyes because Wade's boys, they held up their side of the ball and then some. They kept they kept the Patriots, the the now six time Super Bowl champion, like three times in a row. I mean, this Tom Brady, the legend, they shut his ass down. They, they didn't just shut him down. Him. They made him look they bad. They made him look bad. He was he was missing throws. He looked around. And if it, if it wasn't just, for Julian Edelman as a safety valve, and totally. maybe that's the difference is that he had Julian Edelman and golf didn't have Cooper Cup. But without yeah. Julian Edelman, Tom Brady was missing throws. His timing was off. Everything everything that we talk about with Tom Brady being great. We saw none of it tonight. He he didn't make any big the the one throw that he made was the big one to Gronk downfield late that ended up setting up the touchdown. But think about Tom Brady. Absolutely. Talk about one throw. He made one throw. That's crazy. You're going to hear all kinds of stuff about how golf was rattled and whatever, and he was it was too big for the stage was too big for him. All this kind of stuff, and maybe some of that's true. But if you go back and watch Tom Brady's throws, look at the screen they tried throwing setting up uh, right in the second half early on. It was. It was there for the taking, and he threw it at his feet, and there wasn't even pressure. Pressure was coming. All he had to do was just deliver the ball. He didn't even get hit on the play. Uh, they got to him, and, they, and they, the Rams' D-line D were in his head. Sue was in his head. Fowler was in his head. He was very aware of Donald, even though Donald kind of had a quiet game. He, he was stout in the run, whatever. He, he had no pressure because he was you know, double and triple team or whatever. But they were... They were definitely in his head, and he was very aware of. Let me get the. I don't. I don't. I want no part of these guys coming after my ass. I'm gonna get that shit out. Uh, yeah, that that defense was flat out astounding. How did you boys feel when NRC bats the ball up in the air and Corey Littleton scoops up the interception early on? It was like, yeah, this shit's on. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. It never stopped. That was awesome. They they were fan- best part of the game. Yeah, they were fantastic. The entire game. Start to finish, even the drives they give up points on, uh, it wasn't like ah, oh, you know, they blew it. I mean, they kind of wore down a little bit there on that on that Gronk pass, like you're talking about. But that's the one drive they were in the red zone once. The Patriots were in the red zone one time in this game. They played uh, un- incredible. I mean, you, there is there is uh, no better Hall of Fame film for what Wade, Wade Phillips did than what they did in that game right there because it was it was unreal what they did to a fantastic team. Go ahead, Joey. I want to hear from you, man. I want to hear what you, you can just blur. That's my favorite kind of talking. So blur. <sighs> yeah, man. I mean, are we are we still talking about the defense because that was cool? But I I still had this sort of bad feeling about the offense while I was watching the defense. So it was kind of hard to enjoy them. Do you know sometimes when you watch football like that, where you're just kind of thinking like, yeah, this is exactly what I want out of this defense, but I'm still thinking about how the offense should have got it done and they're letting down the defense because you knew that after a while, you can't just keep these guys on the field the whole time. In the time of possession, it just it, it wasn't good all game that you were just like, you know, it's always the Patriots out here with the offense and then sometimes it felt like a Rams drive lasted 45 seconds and then boom, they're punting. Yeah. <laughs> Shorter <laughs> than my love life. There was, there, there was a three and out. Um, I think it was in the third quarter. And instead of being excited that the defense had such a quick turnaround, I was exhausted like, oh, God, we got to get the ball back. We just had the ball and did nothing. I got to get back on offense again. I don't want to do that. I wanted to see the defense play a couple plays. You know what? I was right there with you. you know why? Because I was hoping for a pick six. I'm yeah, like, pretty much. All right. You know what? The offense yeah. is doing it. Let's get a pick six. Let's let's cap this thing with a pick six yeah. and win. You know, seven seven six or something ridiculous. Well, and that was thing. the thing. I I said it. I think I think I said it during the third quarter that if we're going to do this, it's going to have to come with a defensive or special teams touchdown. And yeah, you know, didn't get one. It felt like Dante Fowler Jr. almost had it if he was positioned yeah. a little differently. Yeah. He had that one play where he could have yeah. easily just ran like six, seven yards for a touchdown. It's it's reminiscent that would have been cool of NRC on the you know the penalty gate. Uh, if he had turned his head, the ball was there for the taking. Right, right. You're right. That yeah. was they had the Patriots backed up inside the ten, and Brady just swung that thing out. He just didn't even look, and Fowler was right there. He just didn't turn his head. <clears throat> if he turns his head, that's a that's a walk in touchdown. But here, you know, it happens. A, a couple big picture things uh, I want to do, 
NFL 2018, and then we'll get to Rams. This was a season that was defined by offense, where we had this explosion of offense and record-breaking scoring and the Rams and Pat Mahomes and all these offenses that were changing the the way the game is thought about. And did, did we did we ultimately get back to the idea that defense wins championships? I don't know that we did. Did we get back to the idea that defense wins championships? Because we were all today. Everybody was kind of willing to abandon that, and then you had you know the Rams coming into this, and obviously you've got the Rams chief game in the kind of the middle of the season as this this weird halftime point for 2018. But then you get to this game, and it's it, uh, nobody outside of Rams and Patriots fans enjoyed watching this game. Every, I guarantee you, everybody who watched this game is going to come away with this thinking this was just a horrible Super Bowl because there wasn't scoring. The NFL definitely r- wants games completely unlike this. But but what what is the takeaway from the bigger picture of something like this, where we had so few points and so little offense to to cap off a season where we had so much of it? I have a quick take on that. I think the NFL is kicking themselves for fixing the Rams-Saints game uh, because they would have got more offense if the Saints had been there. So they're, I think that's what this – I mean, Goodell is like chastising the guy who, who made the Troy Vincent. Why'd you, why'd you have him fix the game? Because we could have had more points and people would have loved us more. Now we got to start over because you made you know, the, the shitty Rams and their terrible offense. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what I'm thinking. It's the – the fixing of the, the NFC Championship game is really coming back to bottom of the ass. I really, they probably shouldn't have done it. Saints would have given them a better go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think that's pretty dark. And um, <laughs> that's, it, that, that's, that, that's where we have to go right now as Rams fans. Yeah, I was at the, the Super Bowl party and they – so it's like, oh, do you want some of this? It's 60-proof rum. Mm. Or it's, no, sixty percent alcohol, and uh, it was just so like a little tiny bit, and then one hundred twenty proof. Oh my! It it was crazy. You could chew it. It was. I'm sorry. Like just as you were putting it in your mouth, it just felt like it was a solid. Like it was. <laughs> it, it was so strong. Um, it was weird. But um, yeah, man, I think this. I I can't believe they only scored three points. I'm kind of in disbelief at how they couldn't get in the end zone and that there were only one series that was in the red zone. It's just nuts. Did they ever get to the red zone? And the Rams? They never did. No, just the Patriots. There's one. Yeah. Yeah. There's just only one series by the by the Patriots. But that's insane. And it felt like the moments where the offense was moving and you kind of had a little bit of optimism, like, okay, there's some momentum. Here we go. It just was tiny little fits and starts. <sighs> you know, it, there was that one point where they got over the 50-yard line. You're like, oh, they're going to score here. Here we go. This is going to be it. But it just was like Belichick was just aware of the game plan. Like, he kind of was like, oh, you're going to do that? No. And it was a little bit of that Charlie Brown trying to kick the ball and Lucy just taking it away, you know, like it, it may, may, maybe it's a lot of the play calling, but it just felt like the receivers weren't open. There weren't enough holes for the running game. I mean, this is the time where we throw the blame wherever we can. And I know coach McVay is getting a lot of the blame because maybe Stand he got out coached. Stanley Kroenke wore the wrong rug to the game. He left his lucky his lucky rug back at the damn construction site. Poor Stan Kroenke. If he had just yeah. worn the right to pay, I curse you, Stan. I'm Kroenke. sure. I'm sure right we'll hear from him this week. So no worries. We'll 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 be sure to get an update from our our swell old owner. Um. So the big picture, weird to have an offensive year like this and and, and a Super Bowl like that to cap things off. Rams specific though. Here we go. This is this is, we we haven't done this in a long time. This was a this was a legitimately good season, where instead of ha- trying to get better, we just have to do this again. That's different. We haven't done this in seventeen years. Where the the Rams went thirteen three, won the NFC West. Uh, we got to see. We got to see who's gone. It's probably going to be in Dominic Sula, Marcus Joyner, 
maybe Andrew Whitworth, maybe Roger Saffold. Personnel aside, though, the Rams got to figure out a way to get back into the postseason and make a run. What what do you what do you guys? Is it too early to think off season? Are we still mired in the pain of the Super Bowl loss? Is there is there something you would want them to do this off season that would make you feel better and and, and maybe deal with the grief of losing this game? I feel like just thinking about what the team is right now, and and, and sometimes I I do that when when I'm when I'm watching a team play. It's like okay, what do we need to change about what's happening on the field right now? We need more Coop. Cooper Cup. No, I, I, blame, I think we need I, just less. I blame Reggie Scott. It's to keep him healthy. You you kept the most valuable player hurt. He got horse collared. You couldn't get him right, and he came out and tore his ACL. Why couldn't Why couldn't Rath. Reggie Scott and Ted Rath get Todd Gurley's knee right? Maybe we need to change our trainers. <laughs> Man, I mean, we have to go actually go go down the road of what do we need to do for next year. We're go, we're, we're gonna get, we're gonna do that. We we don't have to do it all the way now, but just what were you gonna say, Joey? I was going to say that the the offensive line, I think, just really needs a lot of effort because it's coming. The the idea of Roger Saffold and and Whitworth leaving that scares the shit and out Sullivan. of me. And the fact that yeah, and so we really have Sounds to reconstruct the offensive line. Right? That's going to be a big sure. deal, guys. I think sure. having a completely Ooh. new offensive line is not an easy thing to do. And there's so many teams that struggle to have a good offensive line. I don't want the Rams to be a team that's like, hey, they're pretty good, but they have a terrible offensive line. They're just a bunch of paper bags. And right now we have a good one. And I want to keep up that tradition of excellence. I also think that, you know, you got, got, I think the linebacking unit needs a hard look or just the secondary, but I don't think it needs to be anything like, you don't have to touch any of the big skill players. I think, Keep it the same with wide receiver, running back, quarterback, all that sort of stuff. Right now, we just have to kind of um, secure the offensive line. And then, you know, whatever you want to do on defense is gravy with me. But um, I want to make sure that we can protect um, Jared Goff. Can we petition the NFL to have a sixth offensive lineman? (laughs) Uh, Bring that up in competition committee. We need a sixth O-lineman. I want to talk about Sean McVay, and I maybe we're we're going to get to this, but I just want to jump in now um, about just the criticisms on on the way he coached on this game. Sure. What did you guys, as as far as all of the accusations being thrown around on Rams Twitter, it it, it seems to me what 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 I think about the criticism of McVay is just his. Um, how his play, his play calling just wasn't effective. That he was, um, that that it was in in one way just um, telegraphed in in way, and, and Belichick just had answers for it. Maybe. Do you feel like there were other things in his coaching that um, frustrated you as a fan? Yeah, where's uh, Gurley's usage if he's healthy? Yeah, but uh, he's not. not. But he's not. He said the same. He said the same thing again today. Uh, that sure. He said after the Saints game that he, he got lost in the flow. And if if you say that you know Todd Gurley's fine, and I know Joe, you you're taking uh, task with some of our LA media about why aren't you pushing this narrative that Todd Gurley's actually hurt? Well, they're starting to. Um, they're they're doing I, it tonight. You and, this, you and I talked about this in Slack, where it was like, all right, the Rams haven't reported him hurt all the all you have to report are if you practice or not you don't have to actually report what the injury is right, right? You, all right he practiced he did or did not practice full participation or whatever so they did what they had to do on the on the you know nfl rule side but the media never actually pushed the narrative of what the hell's going on with todd Gurley? why aren't you expanding sure. more about him being hurt and i was like well you're not gonna you're not gonna tell anyone if you don't have to if someone's right. hurt because then they don't have the game plan for you guys yeah. so that's that's the narrative there but we all see it, um, if, but McVay went back to the well again after the Saints game. I was like, "Hey, what happened to you know? Why did why did uh, Todd Gurley only get used a couple of times? He went to C.J. Anderson the whole time. Well, we got lost in the game flow, whatever. And then after the game again today, he went right back to the well. I got you don't get lost in the game flow two weeks in a row if you realize that you're like, I, I, should, I need to stop this. If if you get lost in that flow, maybe it's Ted Rath. Ted Rath wasn't at either yeah, game. Right. And while he's pulling him, while he's pulling something off the sideline, he's whispering, "Todd Gurley, he's he's behind you. You should use him. You paid him a lot of money. Maybe you should use Todd." It, it's just uh, that's that's the most that's the biggest question I want answered. Yeah. I think we all know the answer that Todd Gurley is maybe not one hundred percent, 
And uh, I mean, we used he used Gurley early, and then right towards the end of the first half, CJ comes in because I think he's like, oh shit, I got this you know this guy back here who's fresh. I should probably use him. And then he just goes away from Gurley for the rest of the game again. You know, Gurley still had more carries than Anderson did. And he had two targets in the passing game. So I think he had 12 total looks in the game. But that's clearly not enough for the highest paid running back in the league if he's healthy. Of course not. But I think, as Joe has alluded to, and everyone else has said so, you know, he's not. So that's probably the part I want. But as far as Sean McVay, what else? I mean, what else do you want the guy to do? I mean, he, he got out coached. Um, he got. You know, it's not the first time a coach has been outsmarted. It's not the last time it's going to happen. I think you know, he's he's 33. He just turned 33. He's going to learn from this. This isn't this isn't his his last rodeo. He's you know he's he's still as much as we love him and as great as he's been for this franchise. There are things Sean McVay does not know, and right now he knows he's finding these things out. You know what? These are holes in my game. This is where I need to be better. Uh, he talks constantly about self scouting, and and I think he, I I think. He, I, I don't think he's blowing smoke up our asses when he talks about that. I think he'll be very critical of himself and look at himself in this offseason. How do I? Need, how would I need personally to get better? Agreed. Uh, I'm sorry, Veronica. Your offseason is going to be kind of boring because you're going to see him reading a lot of books and do and watching tape and shit when you're sitting on a beach in Milan or Milan is not a beach, sorry, but in you know the Cinque Terre, wherever you guys decide to go. Um, I think that's just how how he is. He's still a young guy, and uh, this isn't. This isn't a 65-year-old guy who's burnt out and and, sure. and, and ready to retire. I mean, he, this, he's going to be around for a long time. And I think the biggest priority for the Rams is yeah, to re-sign sure. the man. Get him re-upped. He's been great. Yes, we had a bad exit last year. He's improved upon it this year. They, they improved their season. He improved their playoff positioning. We fell short. People are pissed. People are embarrassed that they scored three points. But I think... No one is more pissed or embarrassed than Sean McVay. And I think if anyone is driven to improve this, it's Sean McVay. No doubt. So I feel good about all of that. For sure. And and, and like you said, he's going to learn from this. I think the, the the biggest takeaway that I've got is, you know, how do you how do you adjust to not having your guys? And that, that was the thing about Todd Gurley was when we talk about CJ Anderson, remember when we signed him, we didn't we didn't sign him when Malcolm Brown got hurt. Malcolm Brown got hurt True. against Detroit in week 13. Week 14 against Chicago, week 15 against Philadelphia. We went out there with Todd Gurley and your boy, go ahead and whisper his name, John Kelly and uh, Justin Davis. We had John Kelly. We had him out there. We went with John Kelly, Justin Davis, and Todd Gurley. And that was good enough until Todd Gurley got hurt against Philadelphia in week 15. That's when we signed CJ Anderson. The only reason CJ Anderson was on the roster was because Todd Gurley got hurt. Now, here's the thing about being hurt in the injury report. We know the, the injury report, it, I get it. People think that it's to report injuries to the league. It's not. You know, you know what injury reports are for? It's for people who bet on sports. Injury reports are meant right. for people that might not be able to play in the game. And so the idea is that teams can identify those guys so that gamblers have a sense of what might take place in terms of the odds for the game. There was a 100% chance that Todd Gurley was going to play in this game. There's a less than 100% level of his knee being functional. It doesn't mean that he's not going to play. It just means that his knee wasn't 100%. And so there there wasn't really a need to list him on the injury report because you don't want the gamblers to think he's not going to play. Number two, you don't want to disclose anything to the Patriots. And there's that gamesmanship in between the space of 100% chance of playing and less than 100% chance of his knee. And so you can exploit that by saying things like, you know, yes, uh, McVay said his knee's 100% and he's going to have a big role early on. Guess how big his role early on was? First four possessions, he had one carry. Right, I, so the first period of the game. So we, yeah. I, I don't blame the Rams for that. I don't blame McVeigh for that. I don't blame Gurley for that. I don't blame them for that at all. I, I, I blame the media. I blame the media for not doing a better job of figuring out what was actually wrong. We're starting to see it after the game. Now that the games happened, they're saying, "Wow, something was wrong with his knee." Why don't we ask these questions? People, could, they could have asked them after week fifteen. They could have asked him, wait a second, if your knee was injured in week one, why weren't you on the injury report throughout the season? And they could have gotten an answer that would have explained that whatever that difference is between being hurt and being unlikely to play, there's a gray area. 
and, and that gray area can mean a difference in how good a guy is and how, how much he can use his knee, whatever, whatever the factors were that went into the night and the reason Gurley wasn't on the injury report. We're getting those questions now. We're going to get them throughout the offseason just the same way that the NFL could have done things about the Nickel Roby Coleman non-call before the Saints game, the media could have asked questions about Gurley's knee before tonight. They didn't have to wait for him to get in this job share with C.J. Anderson in the Super Bowl before they said, wait a second, something's wrong with Gurley's knee. You know when we knew something was wrong with Gurley's knee? When he sat out the last two weeks of the regular season. <laughs> Why is it objectionable for the media to try to address the idea that a guy's playing hurt. It's, the idea that somebody's playing hurt isn't a bad thing. And I said this about Marcus Peters multiple times. The, the fact that he was playing hurt was almost commendable when Aqib Talib was out because he knew that playing at less than 100%, that he was going to get targeted and he was going to have to take the focus from offenses. And, he, and if it didn't work, he was going to have to take the brunt of the ire from fans and he did there, there's a there's a professionalism in that to say you know what it's going to be on my shoulders and if i don't get it done i got i got to take the consequences and he did there's a professionalism there i don't understand why the media wasn't w- w- more willing to address it with marcus peters and why they weren't more willing to address it with todd Gurley going into this game it's something that maybe hopefully will unlock this offseason because we all deserve to have better answers than what we got going into this it just seems like there's the inmates are running the asylum on that side of the board. I mean, I love what the Rams are doing, what they've done since they moved to LA or since, since McVay sure. has taken over. They've really had a home run after home run. But that side of it has not changed, and that shit needs to change. If this was the Philadelphia Rams, would he get away with that? Would he get away with it in Boston or New York, some of the really tough media markets, even Chicago maybe? Hell no. They would kill them over Todd Gurley's knee. They would – it was – it would be on the front page of the of the LA Post, right? You know, Todd Gurley's knee broken, Rams deny. You know, they would be getting crucified over this. And in LA, it's a softball. And just like it was in St. Louis, that is a constant. And I don't know that anything is different other than artists is he has to be he has to be an intimidating dude. He won't he won't give us a credential. <laughs> so uh who knows? But there is something going on there where in two cities they have controlled the media to spin it the way they want it spun. Here's here's what I would take out of this is maybe what empowers that, Joey. The Super Bowl's over. The Rams' season is over. How how quick does LA move on from this as of four a.m. tomorrow? What what does it? I I get it. I've said this a hundred times, and people are still shocked when I say we have a small fan base. And then people are like, "Wow, there's ten more Patriots fans than there are Rams fans at the Super Bowl." Like, yeah, there's ten more Patriots fans than there are Rams fans. Why is that surprising? The city of L.A. does not apparently not everybody in Los Angeles is a diehard Rams fan. What what do you think moving forward in terms of the the effect this game might have for the media, for the fan base? We know the Lakers obviously are going into the season. Dodgers baseball is getting started soon, and then we get into the the turnover towards football in 2019. Do you think this makes any difference going forward? I think it makes a difference. I think it's almost like I mean it's it's a piece of sand in the, in the beach a little bit where they just need a lot of this before they just become part of the Dodgers Lakers family and you even throw in the LA Kings there, you know, that, yeah, like winning is great. You know, the LA Kings won a Stanley cup in 2014 and 2012 and they get a pretty good following. And I think for the Rams just to be part of the sports land landscape is that they need to communicate to the fans that this isn't just going to be, one great season, two great seasons, and then it's a fire sale, and then they're they're garbage again. It has to be a tradition of winning, and that isn't going to be, you know, that's not going to be apparent of really of what they are as a franchise until we you know we see them in in year ten. Right now, yeah, it is making a difference, and I think people are like, oh, cool, yeah, the Rams are good, but of course it's a little bit embarrassing now because they only scored three points. So yeah, you're going to see people kind of going, huh, well, okay, I don't know if Goff's good or not, you know. And then the yeah, they'll they'll start paying attention to other things. They'll pay attention to LeBron James, who's playing in the city right now, and then, you know, I think whatever happens with the Dodgers. But when the season rolls back again, 
Yeah, I, I think it's a slow build. It's a slow burn. And we can't just expect everybody just stop liking the football team that they've been liking for the past 15, 20 years and being like, nope, I, I'm going to follow the local team. And I think that's kind of this pie in the sky thing that some people kind of think when they are being snarky about how the Rams don't have a lot of fans. It's like, well, what are they really expecting? Is they're expecting the entire city, just millions of people to be kind of like, oh, what's this new team? I will be allegiant to it. It's like, it's just kind of weird, you know, that like 1994, that's a long time. I mean, everybody I know wasn't living in LA in 1994. Right. But everybody who moved there was like, look, now that I've moved to LA, all I got to do is wait it out. As soon as the Rams come back, I'm ready to go. Oh, that's what we're all saying. I'm not, I'm not going to follow any other teams. I'm not going to, I'm not going to become a fan of anybody. I'm just going to wait until the Rams get back. What about the children? What about the children born in 94? <laughs> the children didn't even go to school. Children in Los Angeles were like, until the Rams come back, I will yep. not study my mathematics. But it is interesting to see people who, you know, are like, oh, I'm from Kansas City. Like, I'm a, you know, a Chiefs fan. Like, okay. And then, you know, they like the Royals and everything. But then they start to kind of, like, well, there they don't have a basketball team. They, um, but my, my, my point is, you're living in LA and you start to like the Lakers. I think the Lakers are the team that a lot of transplants can embrace. And I think it's... The Lakers are the gateway drug? They're the gateway drug. And I think the Rams could become a gateway drug too. But I think it would have been nice if they would have won that Super Bowl. I think that would have been awesome. What you're saying is we need to advocate for the Lakers to make horrible decisions so that they're bad for the next 25 years and that the Rams can supplant them. So we can yeah. we can Dodgers strategically too. tweet out, no, I think the Lakers should acquire Sean Bradley out of retirement. <laughs> Sean Bradley. <laughs> he just has like knee braces. You know, you know who's going to play have the a home cane. games? Uh, Stones through from the fabulous forum? The Rams. The Lakers fans. Come oh, Lakers. Smush yeah. Parker 2.0. <laughs> <laughs>